Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk, we're going to have an unusual show today, just two topics. One is, how do you know who is lying to you? That's my first five. And Dr. Douglas Frank joins me in studio to talk truth about elections. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie George Addis. There was a recent exchange. I actually never heard it, but I w- it was described to me uh, when Dennis Prager was asked essentially, well, how do you know who's lying to you? You hear all these different sources. And the answer, paraphrasing, because I didn't hear it, was essentially the people who are trying to censor you, they're the ones lying to you. And I want to talk about that really as we now launch off into a, I mean, the holiday season is coming. We're also post the announcement that President Trump is going to be running again for President 2024. And Twitter is in the middle of a huge battle over the idea that Elon Musk, who purchased Twitter, allowed President Trump to return and get back on Twitter after having been permanently banned. And you hear all sorts of people saying, well, I'm off Twitter. If he's on, I'm off. And I'm never, and you know, he's not allowed to be here. He's not allowed to speak. I really just, I thought that, that Dennis Prager had captured a really important thought. One of the hallmarks of tyrants, of totalitarians, of communists, which is another way of saying one of the hallmarks of many people in left-wing America, many members of the Democrat Party, Democrat Party leadership, social media leadership, the social media giants who really control pretty much everything in social media, one of the hallmarks is they never, ever, ever, ever think that the other side should be allowed to speak and more importantly, that the other side should be allowed to be heard. What they really are trying to say is it's very, very similar to 1984, to the George Orwell book, 1984, and the book prior to that, his book called Animal Farm, same kind of idea. Once they decide what truth is, what they want you to believe, what you're allowed to think, they not only think they should own the control over the media outlets who can just will only mouth what they want you to think, but they actually think that it is they're morally justified in attacking and trying to silence people who don't agree with them. I've talked on the show many times. My entire show is dedicated to preserving America, the unique, the extraordinary, the great, which includes America of the founding, the ideas in the Declaration of Independence, and later on the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the fundamental idea of the Bill of Rights, the idea that you have the right to freedom of speech, one of the five promises made in the First Amendment, you have the right to freedom of speech, includes, and the Supreme Court has said this, the right to hear what you want to hear, the right to present your speech in a way that is not, that is not blocked. And the right, it includes the kind of reciprocal or recipient idea that you have the right to hear what you want to hear. What the people who are very censor minded on Twitter and other places are saying, you're not even allowed, you're not even allowed to listen to, to, 
have any access to listen to the voices of people you want to hear that you may or may not support. They're saying we control everything. We control the conversation. We control what people are supposed to think, and we control who's allowed to speak. It's been really actually quite entertaining this week on Twitter uh, because Donald Trump was, of course, let back onto Twitter by Elon Musk. Uh, there was originally some poll out on Twitter, and you know when it first came out, should I reinstate? This is Elon Musk conducting a non-scientific poll on Twitter. You know, should I let Donald Trump back on? And originally, it was just over the top majority. Yes, of course he should be allowed to speak. He's a former president. Of course he should be allowed to be on Twitter. And then, of course, news got out to the left that hey, they're doing this poll on Twitter, and a bunch of them piled on. I said, no, 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 no. I think the poll when closed was something, it was 51% saying, yes, Donald Trump should be allowed on Twitter. I just want you to think, I just want to think a little bit about what that means. This means, now this isn't a, you know, a representative sample of anything except maybe of Twitter followers or Twitter users, but the people who said no, what they're saying is, we don't even think the American people who voted for President Trump overwhelmingly in 2016, and as you know, as I said in my show many times, they did again in 2020, voted overwhelmingly for him, overwhelmingly for him, he should not be allowed on a platform where he can have his voice heard. Obviously, he has Truth Social, his own uh, network, his own platform, which is growing and, and you know, very popular, so he's got Truth Social. He participates in other ways, but Twitter was his kind of social media home the whole four years he was president. The place he would, it was a brilliant thing to watch because so many Republicans in Congress and Republicans of prominence had tried for years to try to get their message out to the public through the filter of the media. The filter of the media, the lamestream, mainstream, left-wing media in this country that always misrepresents what conservatives think, always contorts what they say, always misleads the American people. And Donald Trump decided early on, even before he was president, when he was just candidate Trump, you know what? I can get to the American people. I can jump right over the media and speak to the people directly. And that's what he did. Had, you know, millions of followers and people who wanted to hear what he thought and you know, whether you liked him or he didn't like him, at least you know what he thought. You know what he thought about that he could get on quickly, respond to an issue, uh, a very a breaking story, or some ongoing media story. He could get in and you could figure out what he thought unfiltered by the media. Because the media is another player in this whole First Amendment suppression, this censorship idea that has really taken hold on the American left. They think they should, Elon Musk, even though it's his company and he's allowed to run Twitter, they think he should be blocking anyone they don't like. So he must go because they don't like him, so he's not allowed to talk. And the media participates in the silencing of conservative voices, including Donald Trump, by misrepresenting them when they do speak in public. And so Donald Trump really jumped over the media by using Twitter, and he also did it by the massive rallies where you could go yourself or you could watch it online. You could hear what he said unfiltered by the media. This concept of the, that has become mainstream left-wing thinking is only voices that we agree with should be allowed to speak, should be given access to social media. It really is not just a kind of a mean spirit, they're being mean to our guy. This is the mentality of totalitarians, and it has seeped down from the left-wing leadership of this country, the, left, the Democrat Marxist Party of America, which is the Democrat Party of America, that, that mentality that only we speak and we get to say what people think, it has seeped down to where the average Joe citizen 
Truly, many of them on Twitter feel outraged that Elon Musk let Donald Trump have a platform, that he let Donald Trump back on. It is like the, the, the cabal has decided we have labeled him someone unworthy. He cannot speak. He should not be allowed to speak. So this totalitarian Marxist censorious attitude, you know, it lives very, it is throughout history in the communist and Marxist regimes in this world, shutting down the voices of anyone who disagrees with them. And in America, it is very much part of the social media giant mentality, the, the mentality of most of the leadership of the anti-American left. But it has seeped down into everyday Americans, people who just, they truly cannot fathom why a company like Twitter should let a former president have any voice at all. And this is probably the most dangerous thing of all about this censorship. Because we used to know in America that First Amendment means you have the right to freedom of speech, and people have the right to tune in and listen to what they want to listen to. You have the right to be heard, to give your speech in a manner where people can hear it. And yet this censorious, totalitarian mindset has just, has just seeped down from the high levels of the left right down into the hearts and minds of many ignorant young people. And they're not all young. So plenty of them are, you know, they're uh, grown-up hippies who still feel this way. But they, <laughs> they cannot even figure out how what they're claiming to be their self-righteous position is so antithetical to everything America fought for and America became because of the founding. They have turned so hysterically anti-Trump that it does not even appear to, to uh, dawn on them that the way the First Amendment is supposed to work is that people speak, other people speak, you debate, you go back and forth. This was a robust debate of ideas that was a foundational idea of America. It does not even occur to them, to these people so outraged because Trump is back on Twitter. It doesn't even occur to them. They're undermining the very found, one of the most important foundational ideas of America, the freedom of speech. It really is a tell, not just about whether they do or don't like Trump, but what they think about what speech means and ultimately what they think of you. They think you, the people who might want to hear what Trump thinks, they might want him to be on Twitter, they think you're not allowed to hear what they don't want you to hear. It is a truly oppressive attitude. It, Elon Musk, whether you love him or hate him, God bless that man for taking control of Twitter and letting Donald Trump back on. And I'm grateful Trump wants to be back on. And just as in any other speech in this country, if you don't like what he says, don't read his Twitter feed. You don't have to. No one's making you. I don't read the Twitter feed of most leftists in the country. I really don't care what they think about anything. That is supposed to be the fundamental, one of the ideas of the First Amendment. If you don't like to listen, you're not forced to listen. You don't have to. But they have, and I'm talking about the Hollywood stars, the singers, the, the big the people who consider themselves celebrities, have weighed in disgust and outrage that a former president of the United States is allowed to actually speak and that people who want to hear allowed to hear him. They have stomped off and taken their marbles and gone home and whined and complained because a former president is allowed to speak in public. It is a truly, it's an eye-opening sign, really, of how radical leftism has distorted the very concept of America, has destroyed the thinking of millions of young people in America and all ages in America who have completely lost the beauty and the importance of the guarantee of free speech guaranteed in our First Amendment. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So we have joining us in the studio, and for the rest of the show, so I'll tell you right now, 
on the rest of the show today. Uh, we are going to uh, skip the Why It Matters feature because uh, we just have my little first five, um, and Why It Matters gets into all sorts of depth of stories that I cover myself, but I never do a Why It Matters um, it's a very popular feature. I thank you for all your notes about you. People are always saying they like it. I don't ever do it for a guest because I don't want to put in his or her words what I think they're going to say because I prepare them ahead of time. So know why it matters today, but yes on having Dr. Douglas Frank join us in studio. He has joined us in the past uh, numerous times. He spoke at our Women for Freedom Summit last year. Uh, he's an extraordinary public figure. Um, but by a quick way of background, because these are things you may not know about him, um, he became known to most Americans. He began speaking around the country uh, with respect to the COVID outbreak and the censorship about COVID, other other issues related to COVID, um, uh, the COVID, um, I don't even want to call it a pandemic, the episode. However, uh, what he has become more recently well-known for is his work in gathering extraordinary amounts of data all on the mission of having election integrity and election truth, having Americans understand what is not happening or is happening in our election system. A quick background again, he has approximately 60 peer-reviewed scientific publications, including feature and cover articles in the leading scientific journals in the world. I'll show you those in just one moment. Um, I was going to avoid this introduction because I can't pronounce the words that are part of his advanced degrees, but he has graduate and postdoctoral work. And in that work, he discovered and developed a new type of microscopy capable of producing three-dimensional images of molecules resting on metal surfaces. Let me interrupt myself to say, I'm telling you this because he's a brilliant, brilliant scientist, a world-round. There he is. Okay, so Ziggy, the, my stepped-in pr uh, producer today. Uh, these are just some of the feature, the articles he's been featured. We'll come back to that in one minute. But on top of all that, he has been uh, widely recognized as an expert in these, in these fields of study that I can't even pronounce. But on top of that, he also left university academics in 1996, um, began working on consulting, developing, and manufacturing surface analytical devices for national defense, for DARPA. Um, he's also uh, created a school. He founded a school in Ohio for uh, gifted, extremely gifted young people, uh, basically genius high school students, to teach them advanced math, which where he teaches, or did teach. Um, it's called the Schilling School for Gifted Children in Cincinnati, Ohio. Ohio. It's a K-12 school for extraordinarily gifted youngsters. Uh, he's taught there um, for years, teaching him mathematics. What he's dedicated himself to in this last year or more of his life is bringing his tremendous skill at gathering data, putting it into comprehensible form on graphs and charts to help America grasp, I'll put it in my words, and he can fix them if he wants, grasp the notion that in America, we do not have the free and fair elections everyone thinks we have. We have instead manipulated outcomes in elections provable by the data he's pulled together. So I want to welcome to the show, Dr. Douglas Frank. Hello, sir. It's good to be with you, Debbie, as always. <laughs> Every time I'm with you, I learn something new. I love, I quote you in my talks around the country. So today I learned of, of a few more things. You know, I like I like your idea of the COVID episode. I think I'm going to use that one. Yes. And and then also I like this grown-up hippies idea. That's a really good one. I'm going to use that one. And the other thing is, and I've been told you already, I've been saying we the sovereign now ever since my first meeting with you. I think that's a brilliant way to uh, communicate the idea that we the people are the government, but we're not just the government, we're the sovereigns, we're the kings. 
Right, and that was one of the brilliant ideas our founders had. As yes. you know, they went through uh, the revolution, they overthrew King George, they yes. created a new country, and you know George Washington, yes. a man of a, a tremendous humility, sounds like an oxymoron, but tremendous humility, they said, well, you can be the first king. He said, I don't want that. Right. We wanted to have the people really be the sovereign, so it's, it's an important thing. I do want to ask you now, Ziggy, who is filling in today for Emilio, thank you very much, Ziggy, uh, put that back up on the screen, uh, these scientific publications, this is the very first thing we had. Okay, I'm not I'm not even going to say, try to pronounce the second thing, but <laughs> name of the article. But just quickly describe your work being featured in, in national and international publications. What's it all about? Well, Science Magazine is the number one read science journal in the world. More scientists read that than any other journal in the world. And it made the cover of Science Magazine in 1990. Um, and it was the reason why it was so important is because an entire field of science had an incorrect notion in the way they were performing their analyses. And I stumbled upon, in my work, I stumbled upon that incorrect notion. And once I fixed that incorrect notion, then suddenly I discovered that the new way of thinking, the new paradigm, allowed us to image molecules on surfaces. And so that, if you remember back in the early 90s, that's when super, super um, room temperature superconductors was, was big. I, my, my new technology played a big role in the development of those. It was a very okay. exciting time. It would not, may not surprise you. I wouldn't have known that we had room temperature <laughs> superconductors yes. at any time, yeah. but I, I'm glad you do and yeah. did. We were, that's what we were working on. So it turns out, I mean, people say, well, what's the purpose of this? Why would you invent such a thing or why would you do that? Well, mostly it's fundamental science I was doing at that time, but fundamental science always leads to practical applications. Yeah. In other words, it's sort of like saying, why would anybody want a microscope? Well, because you can look at small things. Why would anybody ever want to look at small things? Well, once you can look at small things, then you can discover things like bacteria and germs and, yeah. and things. And so, it's, so it, you know, when I made those discoveries, it was more of a fundamental discovery than it was practical. Although many of the things that happened, I then, as, as you pointed out, I've been cons consulting with a lot of industries and I built some custom electron microscopes for, for the military that they used to, to do special analysis of some of their most intricate electronics that they need for various techniques. So, uh, so you know, that's the extent of my work in defense. I, I, most of the time, I don't like working for the government, but those were pretty big contracts. So it was hard to say no. Those are pretty big contracts. Yeah. Plus, I, I mean, just I really wanted that intro to kind of lay, uh, set the table for who you are, the depth of your knowledge, research, success, achievements. Yeah. Um, before we get into what you've been doing um, on elections, yes. And um, I, you know, one other point I was going to make in the first five, I'm going to throw it in right now. If you listen to um, he who was inaugurated on January 20th and occupies the White House, among the things he's repeatedly saying these days, him days is, I stand for democracy. We have the democracy movement. And number one, understand we're not a democracy. That's right. And it matters to understand this. Democracy means mob rule. It means that 51% of Americans want to vote and say, hey, let's not let women vote anymore, or let's not let you know certain people emigrate to America from some country. That would be mob rule. We have a democratically elected government under the confines and structures of the Constitution and the Declaration, which means under a republic, under laws that we, uh, under principles under which we uh, function. That's really important. But the reason how it ties my first five is it is the left, the left in this country, including Biden, whose own administration is trying very hard to find some legal means to shut down discussion about COVID uh, therapies that they don't want you to know about, 
truth about the COVID vaccines, and about election fraud. They've literally grabbed, they're trying to hold on to the banner of, we're the leaders, you know, we're, we stand for democracy, and we shut down speech we don't like, and we threaten you, you may be a domestic terrorist if you dare talk about things we don't want. This is not someone standing up for anything like what America is supposed to be. I meant to make that point. I actually, in case you didn't know this, I don't have any teleprompter here. This is me, <laughs> this is me telling you what I think. And I wanted to make that point. So ba- back to your work, Dr. Frank. Yeah. Uh, so we've been talking in the last couple of days. I'll tell our listeners, we had a meeting in Dallas last night uh, where Dr. Frank came in and talked to a, oh, it was supposed to be a room full of people about the extreme irregularities in the Dallas County elections this past in this uh, midterm election cycle. And it was a pretty big theater and it was Packed. I mean, people were sitting there in, in the aisles, like, like sitting on the steps in the aisles, lined up on the walls, packed to the gills. And he was making presentations, helping people understand what is the proof of election fraud and then what we can do about it. All I'm going to tell you is people were thrilled with what he had to say. So we've been talking about that, uh, about election fraud evidence. And I've been seeing many, many of his slides. So I uh, picked out a few of the slides because what I want to get to today is this. I'll just, I want to get to how realistic is it to claim that there is actual electronic manipulation or other manipulation of America's voting system? Number one, how realistic it is. And then number two, if you know how realistic it is, and you recognize the utter fraud that, it, that is our election system, then what's the right way to, what do you do about that? What should we do? How do we prove it? How do we fix it? How do we change it? Uh, I want his work. He's, he's got a, a wonderful, and it's not just a, project. It's a movement starting, which he'll tell you about in a moment. I'll explain that movement. And then I'm going to tell you the last little thing is, you know, how much, or big thing rather, uh, you know, how we fix it and then how much it costs him personally. I don't mean money-wise. I mean, would it, what happens to people who stand up and speak up for truth in America? You know, we had our founders wrote at the very end of the declaration how they pledge their lives and fortune and sacred honor. And I've made that point when Dr. Peter McCullough was on the show recently. When you're willing to speak truth, truth about COVID and you have the entire medical industry trying to shut you down, that's lives, fortune, sacred honor. I mean, he's lost a lot of what he had as his, as his ability and his really preeminent positions in the medical community and academia. Uh, we had Dr. Simone Gold, very similar, lost a lot because she is willing to speak up. Well, this is happening in many arenas of life that people who stand up and speak up for truth are, are, are punished, are singled out, are targeted, are pilloried. And this again, it is the leftist mob doing this to people speaking up for truth. Now, to be really fair uh, to be a, you know, uh, what, what, an equal access criti- criticizer is not just Democrats. That's right. It's, there are Republicans too. But anyway, it's happening in the world of election fraud. So now, the first thing I want to bring up, actually, no, wait, I want to have you quick tell your story, um, if you would, uh, in a, the, when you got involved in Pennsylvania, because I think that's a good table. Sit. This is not a political guy who just couldn't wait to complain about the next election. This is not a political guy. So what happened in 2020? So I voted in 2020 with my 18-year-old son. It was his first time to vote, and I remember my first time to vote. I voted for Reagan in 1980. And so, you know, I took my son. We went to the polls. We took pictures, everything. I believed it was real. So that's where I was two years ago. Then after the election, someone from Pennsylvania, uh, a person who had run for office there, U.S. Congressman um, Kathy Barnett, 
uh, she ran again this last time for Senate, if you'll recall. Mm -hmm. She contacted me because she had known me from some of the COVID work I'd done. And she said, would you look at the numbers for my election for me? And she sent them over to me and I looked at them. And sure enough, there were all kinds of anomalies. So I began asking questions. And so she introduced me to the Senate Committee of Elections in Pennsylvania, as well as the House Committee in Elections. And I began working very closely with them day and night for weeks on end. It wasn't just me. We had, there were a team of us, about six of us. And we exposed a massive amount of fraud in Montgomery County, which was where she was running. And so as we were exposing that, the and, and it was amazing how much we found it. We ended up finding 78,000 people who the rolls say voted and you have a ballot from them, but those people either don't exist or they live in some other state or that we call them phantom voters. They aren't really. In other words, it's massive. That's more than 10% of the ballots were not real. And so we showed that to him and one of the senators came to me and he says, well, gee, have you looked at any of the other counties in Pennsylvania? And I'm like, well, no, I just... I'm working on this with you guys from Montgomery County. And, but I started looking at other counties. And as I looked at other counties in Pennsylvania, I started not even needing to look at them to be able to predict exactly what I was going to see. And that was, and I'm a physicist. That's what we do in physics. We get, take a large amount of data. We explore it. We find a model that predicts it. And then we make predictions. And as long as we can keep making predictions, then we understand it. We think anyway. And that's what you're in that cycle. It's the scientific method. So I found myself predicting everything in Pennsylvania. And and, and we got to the point in Pennsylvania, just to wrap up the Pennsylvania part of the story, where we got the, the House and the Senate agreed that their roles had been so manipulated and so corrupted that they threw them out. The whole state, their whole roles, they just said, we're done with this. And they hired a firm to rebuild their state voter rolls. And that contract was awarded on December 20th, 2020. And three days later, that company was bought. The company that was hired to make the new rolls was bought by a Zuckerberg subsidiary. And basically, that was a devastating moment for me because it helped me realize that they weren't interested in fixing the problem. They were going to cover up the problem. And, and by the way, I've now been in about 45 states, including about two dozen legislatures. And they're not the only ones that are covering it up. And then people say, well, but wait a minute, Dr. Frank, Pennsylvania's Republican majority. You know, I thought Republicans were good and Democrats were bad. No, and I've told you stories. You know I could tell you stories about other legislatures that are so, they're from country, states that are really red, but they are not interested in talking about election integrity. Even from their own research in their own legislatures, they're unwilling to face the problem. And that's, that's why I'm busy. I'm going around the country helping the people learn where the fraud is, and then they bring it to the attention of their authorities, especially sheriffs. We can talk about that more. That, that's part of the strategy. We absolutely will. <clears throat> Can't wait to get in the sheriff's part. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll quickly tell you for our, our radio listeners, first of all, thank you, Brighton Radio, for carrying this show. You'll go back at the bottom of the hour, 30 minutes past the hour, you go off to a three-minute break. We'll be right here talking. Do not go away. Do not touch that dial. As I used to say, stay, come back. We'll be talking for a whole another 45 minutes with uh, Dr. Douglas Frank here on America Can We Talk. And anything you miss on the show, you can always go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, and at that website, you can listen to the show live. You can look, look at all of our 
our past Why It Matters features. You can listen to past interviews, past shows, read our blog posts. Everything's there you could ever need. Plus, you could join America Can We Talk. I'm here $50 a year. It's the best thing you can. It's a great investment. Helps me, helps you be connected. And you can also, at that website, americacanwetalk.org, hit subscribe. Got a once-a-week newsletter. It's chock full of good stuff. My weekly column and many other good things. So do that at the website. Now, coming back to it. So we're going to go off. And I want to have you before our radio listeners. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be um, putting up some graphs. And I know that when I'm talking from graphs, it may be hard to, to picture. So that's why I really urge you to come back later. Go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and look at these graphs. So I'm going to start with this one. And you know from our conversation earlier, this is my favorite graph, at least one I can remember. So uh, Ziggy, okay, there's one. At the top of this page, it says Wisconsin registrations. And I will just tell you for our happy radio listeners that it is a um, – a horizontal chart, and it starts on the on the left-hand side. It starts in November of 2009, and at the right-hand side, it's along the bottom, uh, on the right-hand side, the bottom of November 21, so from no, uh, 2009 to 2021, and it has a large number of squiggly lines that are all different color, but you can see all of these lines follow an astoundingly similar pattern Almost like a, I don't know, an algorithm? Like maybe a machine was controlling it. Maybe. So, I, But what I want to tell, our, if you would tell our listeners, please, uh, what this graph represents. Well, it, it, I would like to say, first of all, nobody had seen this graph until I made it. And I prepared it for giving testimony before the Wisconsin State Legislature. And what it shows is it shows the relative number of people in every one of their counties, all of their counties. And what you notice is that the number of people in the registration rolls increases and then decreases together, all perfectly in sync in all of the counties. And the reason why it took so long is because nobody had seen this before because it took a lot, it took me three days of work to actually accumulate all that data and get it organized and presented in a way that people could understand. But basically when I showed that to the Speaker of the House, Robin Voss, he had been claiming, no, we run all of our, there's no way you could have statewide election fraud, Dr. Frank. We run all of our elections separately. Each county runs their own election. So I showed him, no, every one of your counties is being controlled centrally and centrally controlled. And I had to teach him that. And this was one of the graphs I used to teach him that. And the beautiful thing about that is that's not a hypothesis. Those are actual data actually from their own state websites and their own county websites showing them exactly how all their roles are being manipulated in sync. And what one of the clear things that's obvious in it is that before every election, they inflate the roles. What do I mean by that? They add a whole bunch of people to the roles that are not real voters. What would a not real voter be? It would be somebody who moved to another state, but yet you put them in the rolls anyway. Or somebody who's dead, shouldn't be voting, but yet you put them in the rolls anyway. Or somebody who doesn't even know they're on the rolls, but you put them in the rolls anyway. Well, why would you do such a thing? Well, because if you have more people in the rolls than you have real voters, guess what? That gives you a credit line of names you can use during the election. You can put in ballots for those people. And what's particularly striking about that graph is you notice that after the election, they take them back out again. And there it is, right there for everybody to see. And, and, and the, one, the most startling one there is from 2016 when they took 25% of them out. Yeah, that's our next, but don't go to the next one yet. Stay okay. here for a second. We're going to go back. We're going to show them 25% in just okay, one second. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. 
But I think what, if you're if you're listening and you're thinking this is hard to follow, I'm going to try to say this in plain English. What this chart shows, this graph shows, is that in all of the counties in Wisconsin, whether it was a small county or a large county or middle-sized, they have voter rolls. Obviously, everyone registers to vote, and they, they infl the number of voters in the voter roll goes up prior to elections. But not just, you know, maybe you might have more people get active uh, in the cities, and so their numbers would be more, and maybe the, you know, maybe the country uh, or the rural areas don't do that as much. But that's not what's happening. Every single uh, voter, every single county in Wisconsin has an increase in the number of people on the voter rolls leading up to elections, and then after the election occurs, a deep dive down, a reduction of voters. And it's not just that, that the pattern is similar, it's that the... Um, the, the line, the uh, measure of it is exactly the same. It's not number, but it's the same in, percent, in yes. percentage. Yes. And, and so this would be, I, I'm tr I was trying to think of a smart aleck example to say that you would try to claim, oh, that's probably by happenstance. I didn't <laughs> think of a really good one. But, you know, it's like, it's like if every single day the same exact thing happened, the same exact thing, uh, and I, I didn't think of a great example. At some point you say, something's controlling this. This can't yes. be real. It's centrally controlled. That's the point Centrally I was controlled election rolls yes. in America. Yes. And, 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 once, and by the way, after the meeting I had where I showed him that, I showed him some other data too. He walked out and stood in front of 10 television cameras. It was supposed to be a secret meeting I had with him, but it leaked out that the conspiracy guy was in town. So there were 10 television cameras that ambushed him as he came out of that private meeting, and he admitted to the whole world that there was widespread fraud in the state of Wisconsin, far more than the margins in the elections there. He admitted, the Speaker of the House admitted this. And, and the press will say, well, then what are you going to do about it? And he says, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm serious. He says, we have widespread fraud, but there's nothing we can do about it. That's okay. what he said. We're, we're going to get to later what he can do about it. But and I, come I back have to... something to do about it. You bet. Okay. But the very next uh, graph, Ziggy, if you can put the next one up, is related to what we just saw. Yeah. But this, it says at the top for our listeners, Wisconsin registrations. Yeah. And what it shows is just four counties, three counties. The three biggest ones. Okay. Three biggest counties. And it shows that right after the elections of 2016, so in 2017, they have the same thing, uh, roll numbers uh, increase in the exact percentage, exact pattern. It's like a it's like a, a reflection or it's like a shadow of each other. It's the exact same ups and downs. Yes. And then shortly after the 2016 elections, uh, you have a 25 percent drop in voter rolls like a whole one quarter of the voters yes. just go away in three counties can you imagine adding a whole bunch of voters they vote and then after the election you take out a fourth of the people in your rolls that's crazy and then you'll notice in the graph they're all added back again by 2020 and when i showed that to speaker boss he said well you know he says you know those big counties they have a lot of turnover 25 percent turnover I'm sorry. That ain't natural, buddy. There's yeah. no way that, that, that the roles are truly, naturally oscillating 25% up and down. And that's when I showed him that absolutely every single county in his whole state was doing that oscillation. It's not real. And that's just the starting point to show the fraud. There's many other ways to show the fraud, but that's a really clear way to show that the roles are centrally manipulated and centrally controlled. Yeah, I like the term centrally manipulated because yes. Yes. everyone knows, and, and no one really says that there's 
there's no election fraud. People say, well, sure. You know, there's always a few flaky things. Yeah. Someone really wants to let their dead grandmother vote or something or, you know, a cemetery vote shows up or there's a random election judge who let somebody in a vote who shouldn't have. Right. These are not, this is not what we're this talking about. This is systemic. Systemic. That's the word I'm going to get. It's systemic. Yes. And it is, and no one before you had put this data down right. in a graph to let you stare at it and say, Oh, that, that's okay. That was Wisconsin. Yes. I know you've done it in many other states. About 40 other states now I've done this. Okay. Analysis. 40 yeah. other states. Well, this next one I want to turn to. Um, this is, a, well, I think we have the next one in order. Should be Ziggy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're in the gray state of Texas. Texas yeah. registered voters. What? Yeah, I'm agreeing. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I, I got my Texas bow tie on today. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Actually, I meant to call attention to that. Come back to him. This is not a Texas resident. This is an Ohio resident, but he knows to wear a Texas bow tie Absolutely. when he comes here. <laughs> okay. So back to our Yeehaw. graph. Yeah. It says Texas registered voters by county over time. And again, I will, for our radio listeners, I will tell you what you're seeing on this chart is you would actually think someone was paid to create a design along the bottom and some kind of pattern across a graph, and then someone was, was paid to make an identical line, a little bit up, a little bit up, but I mean, it's exactly the same pattern. And this extends from 1993 to 2021. So from 1993 to 2021, Texas registered voters in our 10 largest counties increase in exactly parallel percentages. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I can't show you, like in, in Wisconsin, where they have you know, only 80-some counties. Here you've got 250-some, uh, and so it, the graph would be too messy. So I just took the 10 largest counties and showed you those so you could see that you have exactly the same issue here. There's something else really important about that graph, too. You'll notice that after 2012, all the graphs suddenly all started surging, too. That's a big, that's a very important thing for people to understand. Not only are the roles centric, controlled, and being manipulated together, as of 2012 in Texas, suddenly the roles are growing faster than the population. So in other words, the population is going up a certain rate, but the registrations are going up faster than the population. How is that happening? Well, the reason that's happening is because they're not cleaning up the roles. So what's happening is they just keep adding people, but the people that are moving away, the people that are dying, the people that should be coming off are not coming off. And there are now eight states in our country, eight states in the United States that have more people in their roles now than they have people. Okay, so that's you're in Texas, you're on a trend where if you keep on this trend, you're going to have more people in your roles than you have people. And that's just not it's not reasonable. It's not feasible. <laughs> well, clearly it's not accurate. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah, a, exactly. it's a made up thing. And so people say, well, we got to clean the rolls, Dr. Frank. We got to clean the rolls. I'm sorry. That's not the problem. The problem isn't that the rolls are dirty. The problem is that the roles are centrally controlled. For example, Judicial Watch has been going around the country suing counties that have more people in them than people. And they or win papers those in the roles and then adult voting age Ex people. Exactly. And so and they're winning those suits everywhere. Okay, everywhere they go. So like in Los Angeles, they remove 1.3 million people from the rolls. But then three months later, somebody clicks a button and boom, they're all back in again. The problem is that it's electronic and centralized. If you let each county control its own roles, nothing like that of the sort can happen because each clerk is in charge of their own their own county and they're going to add people and remove people as it's supposed to be. But because it's centrally controlled, what what what's happened is our elections have become vulnerable because now instead of your local election officials being in charge of your local election, somebody else from outside your county can insert 
or inject a whole bunch of new voters that you don't even know. And then suddenly from the outside, because the elections are monitored, they can inject ballots as well. So somebody from the outside can control your elections. That's the real problem with having centralized electronic rolls. It's not necessarily that they're dirty. It's that it opens you up to widespread fraud and you can't even see it. It all happens in cyberspace. You never even know it's happening okay. to you. And I want a quick mention on these. The reason to have these inflated roles is that when people want to manipulate election and election, they yes. have the capacity, they have a voter to attribute yes. any mail-in ballot or any yes. any way they get a ballot, they can vote it. It's mail-in ballots mostly used to exploit this these phantom voters. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. If if almost all of the in-person voting is is probably really accurate. And there's a very it's difficult to cheat a lot in person. Somebody shows up with an ID and, and, and you know, they live at 123 Apple Tree Lane, I'm John Smith, and they sign and then they get a ballot. That's really hard. You can do some cheating, but it's hard to do a lot of cheating that way. The easy way to do the cheating is to track during every day, and for some crazy reason you in Texas think you can do this safely, you track every day who's voted and who's not voted. And yeah. so the problem is that you tell the whole world who's not voted yet. So anybody on the outside can say, well, John Smith hasn't voted yet. We're going to put a ballot in for John Smith. And, and this is flowing from the fact of the production of so many mail-in ballots, ballots exactly. that are not, and they, they're not uh, ballots someone saw and said, yeah, please mail me, I'm an invalid. They're not sending John Smith into the polls to vote. They're printing a ballot and mailing it in. So the problem is, is that it's not in person, so it's yeah. easy to cheat. And John Smith, for example, if he moved away three years ago and just never withdrew his name, he doesn't even know what's happening. He doesn't. No, John yeah. Smith is not the guilty party. No, okay. they're just using his name. So you have. So this system has resulted in. Uh, actually, one more graph we quickly show, and then we're yeah. gonna. Okay, this is Collin County, Texas. Yeah. Okay, and the reason I want to show that is this is a, a Collin County happens to be where we live, uh, but it's a, a very popular and very red county allegedly. Um, and so we have the. At the top, there are numbers uh, described at the top of this graph, numbers that talk about um, registration plus 18, pop, blah, blah, blah. It, it's a voter registration numbers are populations in the top row. Yes. Black, uh, the black line is the registration numbers. Yes. And then you have a light blue line, which is predicted based on the algorithm you've already identified. Right. And then red voter is actual voters. There was one anomaly you pointed out today is especially egregious about this at the at the 70 year old or so age. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah. And so if you look at that graph, you'll notice that um, in Collin County, everybody above 72 is essentially registered. Okay. 100%. 100% of your people are registered. So the thing that you might say, well, of course, they've been around a long time. We got a chance to get everybody registered. Except that when you go knock on doors, which is what I'm telling people to do, and you you find out that many people in that age group are not registered. And you also find out that many of those people that are purportedly registered don't even exist anymore. They're dead. They've passed away. They're in another state. And so it shows 100% on the graph which is suspicious enough. But then when you look into it, it's actually, it's full of people who are not real voters. And it's typically 20 to 30% of those voters are not real. But then when you look at that red line that's underneath, guess what? The percentage of turnout is is like 80 or 90%. Right with yeah. Okay, so wait a minute. If you have 80, 90% of turnout when really the registration is below that, that difference 
tells you where to look for phantom voters. So that's the next step I do. Once I make these kind of graphs, I tell people where they're most likely to find when they knock on doors, the phantom voters. And so we send teams out and they actually find, yeah, John Smith hasn't lived here for 10 years, but wait a minute, we have a ballot from him. How did that happen? Okay. So we're proving the fraud. Yeah. Not, it's not a hypothesis. It's not, you know, some wacko conspiracy theorist. No, the people themselves are finding fraud with their own hands. It's a very powerful strategy. This is, I want to turn next to talk to you about your strategy. And one reason I want to talk about it, which is really, I think many of you active in voter integrity projects have, have learned, is that when you go to the county commissioner court, the uh, state, the county election department, the state election people, legislatures, all of them will politely maybe listen to your story, but everyone says there's no evidence of systemic election fraud. We all know elections aren't perfect. No evidence of systemic election fraud or uh, outside manipulation, and so they will not act. And now Texas passed some provisions to make elections a little bit safer, but for the most part, the, the changes made in Texas and other red states did not get at or prevent the kind of fraud that's actually occurring. So to get their attention, to try to get them to pay attention, do something, then get those entities or other people with authority to do so, Dr. Frank has a, it's really more than just an idea, it's a starting a movement at, yeah. related to canvassing. Yeah. So quick tell us what canvassing is and what's your plan for this movement. So you knock on a door and you say, Hi, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I'm Doug Frank with the Election Integrity Movement. Um, can we ask you some questions? And they'll say, yeah. And you say, well, how long have you lived here? How many people live here? Do, are you registered to vote? Did you vote in 2020? Did you vote in 2021? Very innocent questions, right? You're not asking who they voted for or are you liberal or conservative? Nothing like that. Very polite. And when you ask questions like that, most of the time, if they're answering, they'll say, why are you asking me all these questions? You turn your clipboard around and you say, well, it says here in the official voter rolls for our county that there are six people who live here and five of them voted. And you show that to Mr. and Mrs. Smith and they look at that and they say, but wait, there are, who are those other three people? In other words, they don't know who the other names are who are in the rolls who are voting. And so right at that moment, you've converted a local person. Now that person does thinks, wait a minute, there's voter fraud happening from my own house. And on, a, on average, it's one per neighborhood. So what happens is then the whole neighborhood finds out because Mr. and Mrs. Smith are mad that there's fraud from their house and they tell everybody about it. That's the first thing. The second thing that happens is you found it with your own hands. So now it's not I have to believe or disbelieve Dr. Frank, the conspiracy guy. I have, you have found it with your own hands. And now it's sort of like, I always make the joke that it's like evangelism, you get saved. And now you want to tell all your friends. You can't wait to tell all your friends. I was out canvassing and I found 17 phantom voters on Saturday afternoon. I mean, you, it, it becomes a motivating thing for yourself. That's the second thing. The third thing that happens is now if you have a, a group of people doing it, you can amass pretty good number of these, of these phantom voters in a very short amount of time. Now you can go to the local sheriff and you can say, Pick any 10 of these, confirm that they're real, and now guess what? Now you're not a conspiracy anymore. Now you're, you've, you've got legal authority that's confirmed. Yeah, this is widespread fraud happening in our county. Now, the temptation that people have at that point is, we're going to the DA, and they run to the DA and they give them the data, and then they all sit around and wait. <laughs> And then nothing ever happens. And that's very frustrating. Why? Because the DA looks at it and he says, 100 votes? That didn't change the election. Big deal. I'm not investigating this. I got to investigate these murders over here or whatever, right? Nothing ever happens. The point is you're trying to prove systemic fraud. And it's not about the evidence as much as it's about the movement. We've had plenty of evidence of fraud all across the country ever since 
for years we've had it. Nothing ever happens because the people don't know. So I always encourage people, and this is why I refer to this as a movement instead of just gathering evidence. Um, education is key, but the fix is local. And what's happened as a country is we've become lazy. We're paying other people to run our government. We're paying other people to run our elections. We're paying other people to educate our children. We, the sovereign, need to take back our country. We need to run our own elections with our own hands. And when we run our own elections in our own communities with our own hands, this sort of thing can't happen because we won't let it happen. The reason it's happening to us is because we've delegated it to other people and now we made our own bed. And so we're having to clean up this mess. So what's really happening is, and, and we have other states I've mentioned to you, we have other states where these movements are just, they're growing like wildfire. It's great. Because then once the community knows that they're having fraud and they know why the fraud is happening to them through the electronic systems, then the sheriff can say, all right, I have constitutional authority here. I'm your sheriff. I'm going to take all those machines. I'm going to lock them up. And until we figure out this, how this is happening to us, it's not just the machines, it's the roles too, but that's part of the whole machine thing. We're going to have our elections on paper. And even in 2022, we had several counties around the country that were already going that way, already voting all on paper because they've already been doing this canvassing and learning. So what I'm really, I guess what this is really about is it's not as much about election fraud as it is the people taking back the power and realizing that they're empowered to run their own elections. And until they do that, somebody else is going to manipulate their elections. So it's up to them. They can either sit on their hands and then be controlled by other people, or they can step up and control their own elections. And as that's happening, it catches on. It spreads to the other counties as well. And so you're going to be hearing a lot about that in the coming months. We've got some California. We've got Wisconsin. We've got Colorado. A lot of stuff is happening in a lot of places, and you're going to be hearing about it. Oh, I love it. And I will say, uh, you mentioned sheriffs. And one reason I think you mentioned that is, you know, there have been people talking about, well, just take it to the, to the district attorney. And as you pointed out, we've talked about the show many times, George Soros funds, <laughs> and he goes out of his way to fund district attorney races around this country yeah. and secretaries of state. He's way ahead of us. He's been thinking about election fraud a lot longer than the people on the conservative side have. And so if you take your case, the DA, you may get him even saying, yeah, it was pretty significant, but I'm not going to go after it. But the sheriff thing is unique in America because they have, they're directly authorized by the U.S. Constitution. They have constitutional power and they can say, I've heard this evidence and it's enough. I am going to come to the machines. Now, obviously, if you have a Democrat Democrat sheriff. He probably isn't going to do that. You have to have a law-abiding Republican, probably Republican sheriff, who's willing to look into it. But the work it takes ahead of time is the canvassing by enough people with enough proof that is not just three people who, you know, moved away and forgot to um, right. change their registration. It, it's significant of a, of, of a systemic problem. Yes. And then you get the sheriff on your side. So it's, it's work for the grassroots. I mean, big work, time work for the grassroots. And yes, and, and and that's important in itself because the grassroots themselves are finding the fraud in themselves. It's kind of like a treasure hunt. I've seen it over and over again. Once they find it, it's like I want to find more. It's like they, it's like it's like a challenge to, to find the treasure. You said something about the sheriffs. I don't care whether they're Republican or Democrat sheriffs. I just want them to be constitutional sheriffs. I want them to protect the constitutional rights of their people. You know, I was here in uh, several months ago in Dallas at a. A, a very nice gathering. It was a small gathering of, of wealthy Republican movers and shakers. They, helped, they hosted
hosted me at that very nice hotel. I think you were there. For I that. was there. It yeah. was very nice. And during that meeting, um, I got to the point in my talk where I talked about canvassing. And one of the ladies raised her hand. She says, it's funny you mentioned canvassing in the roles. She says, I just looked in the roles last week. And sure enough, there were 10 people registered to vote at my house who had all voted. And we don't know who any of them are. And so at that moment, I got to say to the whole crowd, there are only 30 or 40 people in this room. Think about it, you guys. Right here, this one situation, 10 of your votes were nullified by what took place right here. Is this okay by you? Are you okay with your constitutional right to vote and your constitutional authority being usurped by this situation? So that's why the sheriff is so important. He's constitutional. He or she, we got some good she sheriffs too. He or she is is constitutionally sworn to protect your constitutional rights. That's why we have sheriffs. They're the ones who protect us from the tyranny of government. Yep. And they have the ability, they have the legal constitutional authority to interpose themselves. So the beautiful thing about this strategy is the, the citizens discover their elections are being stolen from them or manipulated by outside influences. And they say, hey, Mr. Sheriff, confirm this. The sheriff confirms it. Then they say, please interpose yourself, Sheriff, and protect us because right now our constitutional rights, we are being disenfranchised from our constitutional right to a vote, and we are guaranteed that by that by the Constitution. Please step in. And so the sheriff can step in. And and there's a group, there's the CSPOA, they're called the Constitutional Sheriffs and Police yep, Officers yep. of America. They are organizing, and all over the country, the sheriffs are waking up. And they're training sheriffs because a lot of sheriffs don't even realize they have this kind of authority. They're just busy, you know, um, you know, serving subpoenas and breaking up yeah. fights at homes and whatnot. Now they realize they have this authority. So the CSPOA has been training sheriffs all over the country. It's such a valuable organization. Uh, they really are. I spoke at one of their meetings last year, CSPOA. I yeah, mean, yes. I really didn't know anything about it either until last year. Yeah, I mean, me neither. Yeah, just the, the profound power they have and how seriously yeah. many of them take it. Yes. We're not going to just go along with what what we're being told, we're going to actually look at the law and the Constitution and the facts ourselves. Okay, before we run out of time, I want to quickly yes. mention a couple things. Yes. So you are working in Wisconsin. You have a group doing a kind of massive canvassing in Wisconsin. Yeah. Another one in Cal. In Cal how many in California? A bunch of. Uh, something like 25 counties now are are being canvassed right now in California, and we have five or six constitutional sheriffs already. Um, oh my gosh. We are. We are. We. This is big. And people say California. That's communism out there. How did you get? <laughs> How did you get so many sheriffs? You know what happens? When there's tyranny from the government, it activates the people. Yes. And yes. so that's what's been, I mean, you see it with the COVID stuff. Look at the, look at the army of super moms we have out there now. Their mama bear claws are out. Oh, yeah. Why? Because Beautiful. the state came after their children, right? So in California, they've had so much tyranny for so long that it's generated this whole reaction with yeah. among the. So anyway, that's happening. So it's not just those three states I mentioned. There are a lot of other states going on too, but those are like the most notable big movements that are happening right now. It's very cool. Wisconsin, California, Colorado. It's yeah. starting here in Texas. Yes. Um, and yeah, I'd like to add you guys to the list and come back in six weeks and, and let's make a big uh, stink about it. Because oh, we're, yeah. we're finding tons of fraud already. It, it, even Dallas County? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Okay, so I want to show before we run out of time on the show today. So suppose you get all this proof the sheriff does his thing or her yes. thing and yes. locks up the machines. And you eventually want to get the legislature to make provisions for different kinds of uh, different kinds of long term, um, of course, long term, and which is paper ballots. Yes. And anything else? Shorter? Paper poll book. Paper poll book and election day only voting. Single day of voting. 
And people always say, well, gee, Dr. Frank, you know, you know, how, how could we do it all in one day? I even had one secretary of state come into a meeting where I was testifying and saying, you guys, we can't do paper ballots. We can't do hand counting. We'd be counting till Easter, he said. Uh, but I had met with this, the senators the night before, and they said, yeah, but what about Europe? They do it all in one day. Yeah. Hey, Ziggy, next fire really yes, quickly. In Europe, single day of voting, national holiday. I'd be fine with that. I'm totally fine with the national holiday. In fact, I love the idea of having a celebration of our freedom, of our liberty. Let's all come out and vote. Let's celebrate the fact we can. And let's have barbecue while we're at it. Paper ballots, uh, photo ID. Uh, by the way, there are 150 count countries in the world today that have modern elections, and 149 of them require photo ID. Only one doesn't require a photo How embarrassing. ID. I'm sorry, how embarrassing for We America. are the laughing stock of the world. They do it in Europe in one day, and they report the tallies that night, okay? We, we have weeks and we, six or seven weeks before the election. We have election day. We have weeks and weeks after, and here we are two years later still arguing about 2002. Why? Because we have a system that's completely unauditable, completely out of our control. The clerks don't even know their own numbers. I've met with so many of them. They don't even know. They, they can even control their own elections. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I'm going to give a 15-second plug for the Selection Code film. Uh, we have played segments on the show. We've had Tina Peters on. We've She's had awesome. Sharona. Yeah, Sharona. So I'll just tell you, if you haven't seen Selection Code, you can see the teaser at selectioncode.com. you got to see that movie, understand things. And you, this little uh, quick flyer, yeah, Selection Code, great film. Uh, and you want to watch it just to understand uh, what really, well, this really hones in on what happened in Colorado with Tina Peterson, Tina Peters, excuse me, yeah. uh, who was a county clerk in Mesa County, yes. uh, who produced Produced eventually the uh, Mesa report number three, or whose work produced that report, yes. which validates the unbelievable uh, vulnerability and hackability and actual corruption of the Dominion voting machines. All right. Yes. So uh, the last little slide we had said vote Amish. I'll just <laughs> and, and that, this is a, a saying, but just means paper. Ballots, paper, All paper, books. no machines. Single day of voting. In, in Ohio in 2020, 60,000 Amish people came out and voted on one day on paper. Why okay. can't we all do that? I wish this were the slide. One of the slides you have has an, has an Amish, uh, a, a cart looks like this one uh, with Trump flag on it. <laughs> yes. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. So last thing I'll do, because I was saying earlier today how people who put their head above the crowd, speak up, stand up uh, in a variety of arenas in life, yes. they end up getting very negative attention yeah. uh, from those people who wish they would just stop talking, which included Dr. Frank. I will share with you a quick a couple of headlines involving what happened to him. Uh, this was uh, his phone shortly after Mike Lindell's phone was seized uh, by the powers that be. Uh, so was Dr. Frank's phone. Um, and that was in part due to your work in the Colorado case, yes, right? Yes, working with Tina Peters. And that's why they took Mike's. They took his on Tuesday after his, he was coming home from his hunting trip. They tracked him. They, they got him cornered at a Hardee's and he took his phone. And I, I love Mike. He's, he's such, a, such a patriot. While he was waiting for the attorney to call him back to tell him what to do, he was witnessing to, to the FBA agents. And that's so much Mike. I love that about him. But that happened, oh on my gracious. that happened on a Tuesday. And so, of course, I heard about it. And I was in Oregon that day. And I was flying back to Cincinnati. And so I was thinking about it. Well, gee, if they took his phone yesterday, and I know why they took it, because he helped Tina Peters um, when she came out in public with, with her story. 
they're going to be after me next. And sure enough, I got off my plane in Cincinnati and there were the guys in the black suits and the whole team of security people. And they, they had a warrant to search me and to take my phone as well. Um, so, you know, that, what they're really doing is they're saying anybody who stands up and wants to expose election fraud, we're going to persecute. That's what's really going on. Absolutely true. Dr. Frank, I wish we had more time. I thank you so much for joining me today. It was it's wonderful my, my to talk pleasure. with you. Okay, very quickly for our listeners, uh, I want to mention that uh, this Thursday is Thanksgiving. We're obviously not doing a show. We do have a show tomorrow. Uh, but then our next Thursday show will be a week from Thursday, December 1st. Uh, Dr. Kelly Ward, the Arizona GOP chair, is joining us. She's just a rock star. Uh, and, and she's going to let people know what's happening in Arizona. Another whole set of things you don't want to know. And I also want to mention very quickly, we're going to, we don't have why it matters today. So I want to mention very quickly, if you like supporting this show, in addition to the ways I mentioned previously, you can, you can donate to this show. This is, a, as I often say, a listener-supported show. Nobody pays me. I have done this show for coming up on eight plus years and never been paid anything. I do it out of love of America, but it costs money amazingly to do this show. So if you'd like to support the show, you can go to americacanwetalk.org, make a donation. Uh, it never goes into my wallet. It goes to cover the cost of this show. And I so very much appreciate if you'd like to support the show. Another great way to support, and it's also fun for you, is you can go to mypillow.com. And I will tell you, Christmas is coming. Geese are getting fat. You need to buy gifts. Go ahead. Go on mypillow.com. You can buy Christmas gifts for everyone on your list. My husband and I will never tout anything we haven't tried, and the list is getting long of my pillow products we have at our home, uh, and I can guarantee I will speak for each of them. They are high quality, durable, wonderful, soft, everything you want them to be. The slippers I wear for shoes, uh, they are so comfortable and, and wonderful. Uh, towels, sheets, the mattress cover, uh, I can't even think of all things. Oh, bathrobes are fabulous. I gave a bunch away for as gifts. So go to mypillow.com and at that website, do your Christmas shopping and shop for yourself while you're there. And when you're checking out at the promo code, put in Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, Debbie G, that is me. And then when you do that and check out, you get 66, up to 66% off. You get discount on everything up to 66% off. I get a small check and I get help supporting this show. So you can support your family, your Christmas shopping, yourself, and uh, Mike Lindell, and my pillow, and the show, all sitting in the comfort of your home in front of the fire while snowing outside. Please do order from mypillow.com and consider supporting the show. I usually close the show by telling you why this matters to you. I hope you can understand why election integrity matters to each and every one of us. We simply, to put it bluntly, will not have a country where we the people are the sovereign unless we have election integrity. There is no other way around the issue. If we don't solve election integrity, we will be left in a country ruled just like the Ghana government we tried to overthrow a government that rules us and we have no say in what goes on. That cannot be the fate of America. Too much sacrifice, too much work, blood, sweat, and tears went into creating this country. It's our job, this generation of patriots, to defend and protect this country. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. Please tune in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?